everybody. Welcome back to Negro Please Radio. I'm your host, Chris Allen. And as usual, off the top, I want to take the time out to thank each and every last one of you for tuning in, downloading, streaming. However you're taking my podcast, I appreciate it. Welcome back. If you're new, this is my podcast. Uh, maybe I just met you or you saw me in Richmond this past weekend. Welcome. This is it. It's about 20, 30 minutes. And it's me talking about different shit from sports, science, video games, social shit, whatever I want to talk about. This is my outlet. This is this is my uh, my space to talk about what I want to talk about. And uh, if you like it, if you hate it, tell an enemy coworker, tell somebody about the podcast. Um, I truly am seeing a nice uptick in the numbers. Uh, I'm actually like putting, trying to put out clips on a regular basis. I'm I'm trying to do all the things right. Uh, I'm working on upping my uh, production value, a little change of scenery. I want to get rid of the green screen, uh, find a nice space in the house to do it, to do the podcast. But um, yeah, man, I'm um, welcome. <laughs> so I can say is welcome to my podcast. And um, I'm trying to get this article pulled up that I want to go over later. Um, you know what? Let me just. There it is. Let me just jump right in. Uh, for those who don't know, we have a nine-year-old uh, soon. Actually, tomorrow, who will be 10 years old, son named Miles. And uh, I like to talk about the different things that are going on in his life. Sometimes it's big. Sometimes it's not nothing. Uh, this week is kind of a big deal. Um, hmm. Well, I, uh, I like I said, I was in Richmond this weekend, and my wife, had been on this waiting list for uh this event called Dinner in Blanc and she finally got the call this year and it's one of those like uh events where they don't tell you um exactly they don't give you the address until the day of and all that kind of stuff. I don't even I'm trying to no, I guess they know what the dress code is. Cuz I was going to say I don't even think you know what color to wear, but I don't think that I don't think that's true. But I think that's that's the thing. You don't know. It's a long waiting list. She was on it for five years, and they don't tell you until the day of. Now, you find out, hey, you got in months in advance, but you don't find out the location of the dinner until the day of. And people get really dressed up. They have these wagons. They bring these table settings. And it's uh, she's from what she was saying, it's a, it's a lot of, like, uh, uh, pomp and circumstance, a lot of like tradition and, and like people who have been going there for years, they bring all these old pictures of them in the past years. They set it up on the table. Um, and I guess these tables are real. This, this picture, like, uh, almost like a dinner from some, uh, like, um, a royalty dinner. There you go. Or yeah. Picture some like a Royal dinner. Where you got a long ass hundred foot table, there's some crazy shit like that. It's like that. They got these long ass tables. She was saying like a hundred people on each side, um, and you decorate your part. And you, 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 there's a way you got to be seated. There's a there's a time to you got to wait to eat. There's a time to you know when you can dance, and then there's a time to leave and all that type of shit. So there's a lot of like um, hurry up and wait. A lot of tradition. Uh, that that goes along with it. She says she had a great time. Um, yeah. Oh, you know, and I say all that. Jesus, I just really took over the milestone. So, oh, I say that to say this is something that's very important to her. She's been waiting on doing this for years, 
and it just so happens to coincide the weekend I'm doing the Rich and Funny Bone. So um, we have to decide what to do with Miles. Is he going to come with me? And I got to work out some weird, like, finagling thing where he stays in the hotel with me. And then I go down, do my set, come back upstairs, you know, that kind of thing. Um, just trying to figure out what we, what we were going to do. Um, he ended up staying the night at a friend's house. We were so, I was surprised. I was surprised. Um, this is the first time he stayed at someone's house that was not family. And uh, he did really, really well. I thought he would be um, hesitant. I thought he might have a little bit of anxiety. And to be honest, I thought he would want to come home. But my boy stayed. He had a great time. Uh, he was ready to come home early in the morning. So, uh, yeah, so we had to get up early, and she went and got him. And, uh, man, uh, one thing that really touched me is uh, his friend. I'm not going to say his name. It's not my kid, but uh, does, uh, he doesn't really have a lot of friends uh, as well. He's got some stuff going on. But uh, the mom says she overheard Miles say to him, hey, man, you're a really great friend. And she says she just started crying. And uh, that just made me feel good as a as a, as a parent you know, knowing what they're going through and everything and, you know, worrying if he can find friends, if he has friends, and to hear uh, that kind of out in the wild, if you will, you know, just um, a, a fly on the wall, that made her really feel really good. It made me feel good as a parent because I, I feel like Miles, he's a he's a great kid, man. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's a good kid. Uh, he doesn't really go out much either, and it just felt good to uh, know he was out with a friend having a good time. Uh, him and the, the other kid, they have a lot in common uh, as far as uh, some of the struggles I have with school with, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, she was just saying he seems to really understand where her son is coming from. He cares, but he's not pressing too hard. It's just like a, it's a, it's a good relationship because they understand each other. They like to be together, but they also like to have the space and all that kind of stuff. So it just made me feel good. Uh, I feel like we're doing a, a good job raising him to be, a, you know, a, um, a good kid and a thoughtful kid. And uh, I want him to enjoy himself because that's something I, to be honest, I really didn't do much as a kid, man. I was always so fearful of things. I can't say I never had fun, but I, I, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of questions. Uh, I had a great childhood. Don't don't get me wrong, but I just want him to enjoy his as well and not worry about the things that I worried about, you know. So um, felt good. That felt great. So, yeah, my wife, went. she did that. Uh, I'll talk about the uh, weekend at the Funny Bone here shortly. But I don't watch movies often. I, I, I just, I, I'm stuck in my ways. I end up watching what I, what I watch uh, over and over again, like a lot of people. I do take in some new shit from time to time, but it really has to catch me. Uh, like Ozark, I just love that show. But, um. I watched Moonfall. I got to say, I'm a sucker for a shitty-looking sci-fi movie. Now, I can't tell you who's all in it. Um, the dude from... The guy from Game of Thrones. He was like the fat nerd who became a meister, who married the girl, who took in the girl from the town. I think they had got taken run over by, like, the wildlings or something like that. Or maybe she was a wildling. I can't remember. She was pregnant or he got her pregnant. But that kid, he's in it. Um, it's not Chris Pratt, but he looks like Chris Pratt. <laughs> I don't know actors' names. Every time I see him, I go, he looks like Chris Pratt. But he, he's he's a more rugged-looking Chris Pratt. 
Let me, you know what? I'll just look him up. I'll just look him up. The movie's called Moonfall. Moonfall. There it is. All right. Patrick Wilson. That's his name. And he was in a bunch of stuff. Uh, and the other guy I was talking about, his name is John Bradley. And his player, his character's name is brought up in uh, Game of Thrones. Samuel Tarley. Samuel. Yeah, Sam. And uh, Patrick Wilson. He was in The Conjuring, Conjuring 2, Aquaman, Insidious, um, Fargo. I'm trying to see you. Let's see. Most famous role, most famous movie. Patrick Wilson, most famous movie. I guess he's he's known for The Conjuring. He's known for The Conjuring. But he looks like a, you know what? <laughs> he looks like a, or he just looks like a, a Midwest Chris Pratt. You know? Actually, because, you know, Chris Pratt was Midwest Chris Pratt when he was on uh, Parks and Rec. But uh, this guy kind of looks like him, Patrick Wilson. I'm pretty sure if y'all looked him up, it's just something about him. He just he reminds me of Chris Pratt. Like, uh, not as a uh, Hollywood attractive version of Chris Pratt. But anyway, I digress. <clears throat> he's in it and Holly Berry is in it I'm pretty sure you guys heard, have heard of Holly Berry so we got Sam Holly Berry and um, not as hot Chris Pratt <laughs> but um, and essentially this movie Moonfall is about the moon colliding with the earth uh, and I gotta say it was entertaining not, not the best it was entertaining. I haven't watched a movie movie in a long time. I enjoyed myself with it. But I just remember like space movies coming up, like uh the launch, um the the preparing the launch. Like that whole thing was like a big part of the movie. Like they would show them coming in slow motion, a wide shot, all of them walking up with the gear, with the voiceover. Uh then it shows them like walking up maybe like doing a news conference taking some pictures slow mo pictures with the with the loud flash in the in the uh you know in the shot you can hear that uh you know them getting strapped in it was just a whole ordeal you know even th- there was a lot of tension with the count up with I me mean, with the countdown uh some overworked you know NASA staff with cigarette butts everywhere coffee armpit stains just everybody's all ramped up it's and they're worried like is this launch gonna go is it gonna work that's we're so far beyond that shit now we're like that's not even part of like the space movie like getting there none of that's not even part no one even cares about that anymore no one even cares about that and it's just weird to see like for years just all that build up when it just came to the process of sending a rocket or you know into space but now it's just like, because uh, so in the movie, I'll say it. They're trying to they're trying to get to the moon to stop whatever. They something happens. They lose their launch window. Um, of course, they figure some shit out. They go, we got we we can finally do it. 
you got 28 minutes, but they also, when it failed the first time, they send everyone home. Like everybody in this whole fucking facility is being evacuated. Everybody's, the world is ending. Everybody is gone. So there's literally like seven people on this base. And they're, they're like, you got 28 minutes to launch this rocket and get out of here. It's just like, I thought this was fucking rocket scientists. It's just like, it went from this whole probably two to three minute sequences of scenes to like, all right, y'all got 30 minutes to get up there and get your asses into this rocket and off the planet. Almost like, hey, look, do y'all need a ride to the airport or not? You got 30 minutes and we're fucking leaving. It's just like, oh, answer this. What did the other thousand people that helped this rocket get off the ground, what were they even doing? If like five people can just send a rocket into space by themselves after telling everybody to go home and enjoy the, the end of the world with their families. And who the fuck is going to work? <laughs> I get it. It's just a movie, but it's just funny to think like, because they did have to have people strapped them in. It's like, who the fuck stuck around? But I guess if you don't have a family and the world is going to end, you want to go, I want to be part of it. Cause if this shit works, I'm getting my dick sucked the rest of my life every day. Cause I'm a goddamn hero. But it's just wild to think that like, there are people going to work. Are they staying there? Like they go home, they have dinner. Like, what do you, what do you do when you get off? When you know the world is ending. That's crazy. And then you're like, yeah, we're just going to go back tomorrow. You just wake up. Everything is on fire. <laughs> it's just it's just wild, man. It's just, and the fact that we just skip over all the launching shit now. Now it's just like, hurry up, get in there. Let's just, it's just like, what the fuck? I like that, though. I like that. It's just like, now we can just hop in the rocket, turn the key, and, and, and get off. That's it. See ya. It's becoming more like sci-fi fantasy shit. Which is which is cool, man. And I, I but it's just it was just funny. It's like you sent everybody home, and this y'all gotta y'all just gotta launch this fucking rocket. Uh, how how does that work? And and what does everybody else do? I, I just it, blow, it blows my mind. If that was real, they would definitely after that they would definitely do some cutbacks. Like, look, we actually got this rocket off the ground with like seven people here, so a lot of y'all do not need to come back. Um, oh, but speaking of space, I know this is a weird transition, but I saw this article on futurism.com and the article. Uh, oh, so overall, not a bad movie. I enjoyed it. There was a lot of you had to suspend. You had to suspend a lot of uh, disbelief, but I, it was fun. It was entertaining. Uh, they showed they had some cool visuals and stuff like that. You know, Holly Berry is always Holly Berry, but. You know, just a lot of the the um, typical tropes were uh, one. She like once one guy who's in charge of NASA realizes what they're up against, he just ups and quits and goes, "You've been gunning for my job anyway. Here you go, Holly," and he just takes off, which I respect because that's what most people would do anyway. And it was just like, "Here's your security clearance," and then uh, the guy from Game of Thrones. He's like a super smart kid who helps. It's a typical, typical sci-fi end of the world movie where like he's super smart. He notices some shit. He's trying to get in contact with all these famous 
uh, scientists and stuff, and no one believes him at first, but then they finally do, and he gets to be a part of the mission. It's one of those things where, like, yeah, he's just a normal guy with a normal body, and then by the end of the movie, he's a fucking astronaut. You know, like, you're now an astronaut, son. I'm in charge of NASA. I say you're an astronaut. You're a goddamn astronaut. It's just one of those fucking things. Uh, and you know, I was thinking too, honestly, I think that's part of the fucking problem with like why people have a hard time grasping shit that goes on in our government, uh, whether it's law enforcement, uh, the hospitals, military. It's just like people, a lot of people really think that the shit they see in movies is real. It's just like, you can't give out a security clearance like that. It's just like, yeah, cops don't really do that. The military doesn't really behave that way. That's not how shit really is. I mean, people really think that's how shit is. And if if you even think I'm bullshitting at all, even police will tell you. Ever since, like, uh, DNA, evidence and all that kind of stuff, and law and order, they will tell you, man, people always expect, like, some last-minute, uh, you know, uh, evidence to clear everything up is going to pop up in the in the last minute of the case so they can wrap it up uh or the lack of dna they can have all this other evidence but the fact that there's no dna it can make people really hesitant to convict somebody all because on tv they always they always see you can get dna and people don't realize like real court and real cases ain't really fucking like that and police and detectives i've watched so many documentaries about this shit how People really go into these cases thinking things are like TV, and it's not. It's long, it's boring, it's very technical. You don't all everything's not always wrapped up nice and neat. Even when it looks complicated on TV, they find some through line to tie it all together or to unravel it to make it, you know, nice and neat at the end. That's not the case in real life. And I feel like a lot of people feel the same way about how military shit operates, government uh, agencies and shit. Just weird that people really think this shit but anyway if you like sci-fi not bad i would say check it out it's definitely worth worth a little watch um yeah oh um so i'm gonna get to this futurism article since we're talking about space and shit and um uh, yeah so i didn't ruin any of the plot of the movie but other than the the moon is fucking falling and you'll find out why so, all right, to this futurism article, uh, Swiss government scientist says we may be on the brink of discovering alien life. Is he right? Um, I will say I read this article. Nothing new has really changed. Um, they're just stating the fact that, that like, uh, there's thousands of exoplanets out there that we know of, and we're finding more and more every single day. And um, out of those thousands, dozens could be habitable they could have water they could have all that stuff um but based well this this swiss scientist is saying now they're just basically moving up the timeline because i was always told we'll probably never uh find uh alien life in our lifetimes but they're saying now within the next 25 years there's a good possibility that um we could find life outside of our solar system uh, within 25 years. And he was saying that we really need to um, investigate the atmospheres, these planets and all that kind of stuff. And um, so, yeah, like I was saying, they didn't really change anything other than the timeline. They're, 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 they're becoming more optimistic about finding something sooner. So 
Yeah, it didn't really go into detail as to why. Um, maybe because they're just ramping up their their searches, searches, and they're they're looking uh, for different things now. But I think that's pretty dope. I mean, even if it's not the case, they say it's it's not impossible. It's not unrealistic, not likely, but I think that's fucking dope. Because that's something I would love to see in my lifetime. In 25 years, if I uh, if I get my shit together, I can go for another 25 if I don't fuck it up somehow. So that that uh, I gotta be honest, for me personally, that's kind of cool. That's gonna make me um. That's gonna make me uh watch this kind of stuff a little bit more. You know, even though I've always um been into this, I think the fact that that, that these scientists are saying you know it's a possibility. You know, with just the sheer numbers and, and how we're we're looking at things now, we could find something uh, a lot sooner. So I think that's really, really dope. I, I'm excited about that. I think that's fucking great. I just, I couldn't imagine seeing some shit like that. Because what the fuck would you do if aliens showed up? And I know it's not going to, like, hey, the movie, it's not going to be some movie type shit. It's probably going to be something boring and uh, probably way fucking scarier. I've said this before, smaller aliens are way scarier. Uh, some weird little or, organic um, amoeba thing or some type of uh, weird nanotechnology that got out of control. That's terrifying. Yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't, what is scarier? Some, what would be scarier? Little green men, organic aliens or some nanotechnology machine alien that's now uh, like self-aware because it evolved from some other civilization. I would, you know what? Oh man, I think the machine is scarier in the sense of like, uh, because it's so calculated, it probably just want to get rid of you. So that's what makes it scarier, and you're likely not to be able to communicate with it because it just it just knows like these these people are garbage. Let's go ahead and get rid of them. There's still gonna there's not gonna be no communicating. But I think like the organic, that could be weird because they might, we might talk and shit and then you can communicate with it, kind of have a relationship with it and just listen listen to why they're doing what they're doing. You know, I I don't know. I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. All of it would be terrifying (laughs) to be honest. Damn, what, what, what would be scarier? Oh, man, that's a good question. What would I be more afraid of? Like aliens, aliens, or like some fucking machine alien? I think the organic shit is is scarier because it's like uh, it's probably so, like a like a yeah something that can chase you around your house. It can open doors. It can fucking wrap long ass talons around a fucking a door or some shit and be terrifying. But I think the machines, they would get it done quick and easy. And not that the aliens, they, like the organic ones, couldn't. But the machine shit, that can be very, very fast. Yeah. Ah, man. Even if the even if the machine type thing wanted to use us for like a power source or something, that that would be terrifying too. But I, I think looking into the eyes of, a, of another bipedal or whatever organic alien, ugh, that would be... That would be man. Ugh. All right, I can't. I can't decide. What do y'all think? What the hell would be would be more scary, scarier? Um, I've been watching video games a little bit more uh, lately, and uh, just real quick, I've been watching this dude named Brian Menard uh, play this game called Scum. 
And it's like a, a really uh, detailed um, survival game. I mean, it gets down into everything. The eating system is insane. I hope that I didn't mention this before. I feel like I, I did. But you can watch your vitamins and minerals. You have to use a bathroom. Uh, I mean, the way you build things, the way you hunt, the way you construct things. It's just it's just so detailed, so detailed. You can farm, you can hunt. Uh, it's um, it's pretty fucking cool, man. And it's uh, it's relaxing for me, man. It's relaxing. I, I've been and I know myself. I watch this game. I want to get it, but he's even he's even said the learning curve for that game is so, uh, so steep. But what I like about it is you can really just take your time with it. And if you get bored, but ah, but if you like those type of uh, survival zombie games, I, I feel like I've mentioned this already. Could be wrong, but uh, if you like that kind of stuff, um. Check it out. You know, you can fix some repair cars. You can um, trade things. Um, yeah. The zombie physics, I will say, is pretty bad. But other than that, I think the game is really dope. It looks dope. It sounds great. I like the weapons. I like the, the weapon systems. I like everything about the game other than the the zombies or whatever you want to call them. And that's weird, too. You got people that call them puppets and other names. It's like, are we really that PC to the fact that we're not even calling a fucking zombie in a game of zombie, but I don't know. Maybe it's some loophole to get more watch, uh, more viewers or something like that. People who have people's people have kids. I don't know. Parents might not want their kids hearing zombie. Maybe zombie is scary for people, and and it's just easier to hear. But but think it's weird. But hey, whatever the reason is, there's got to be one behind it. I don't know. But um, so I had a great weekend uh, in Richmond. Opening for Mark, my boy uh, Alex Castain opened. Uh, for us this weekend uh he did a great job uh he's it was a very special weekend for him richmond is where he started i met him uh probably four or five years ago in charlesville he had long hair he was a big nerd and and uh here he is man five years later uh doing all the things he said he wanted to do and it was dope to listen to him uh voice that realizing like hey this is dope man this is where it all started and here i am opening for one of the biggest comics in the world, I mean, in America right now, and uh, having a great time. So uh, he had a lot of friends and, and family come out. He got shown a lot of love, and he deserved it. He was great. Um, me and Mark even talked about how excited he was. Uh, I was going to bring it up, but Mark actually brought it up, brought it up first. But um, like even like for things, because he said for I do, like, I do that for him at times. Whenever we get to do a really dope venue, we're doing a – a theater or something like that. I'm really excited, but he's, he does them all the time. And he's just, he's like, you know, it is nice to have somebody who doesn't get to experience this, um, a lot around cause they really put in into perspective how wild and crazy, uh, this is that we're doing this. And Alex did that for the both of us this weekend because you know, the theater stuff, even though I, I'm, I can't say I'm used to it. I'm still excited about it. It's a lot of fun. Um, but the club, I, I would say, unless it's a club I've been waiting to work for years, it's it's become a job at this point, and I love it, but I'm not as excited uh, about it. But having him there, like, man, this is so dope. I wish we had eight shows this weekend. I just want to do this every weekend. You know, to him just being super excited and just bringing this youth uh, and exuberant energy to the weekend was uh, something I needed. He uh, Mark felt like he needed, and it was dope, man. Uh, and he said one of his coolest moments for the weekend was this. Uh, he called it his Henry Hill moment. And if you don't know what that means, it's referring to the scene in Goodfellas 
where Henry Hill takes Karen into the Copa, but through the back and through the kitchen and all that kind of stuff. It's this, this famous one, one take shot. And from like, from the side street into the, from the, to the kitchen, through all these back ways, the hallways, and right into a packed showroom to where like they bring him a table out and then boom, someone sent him champagne and it's a beautiful fucking scene. And the entire time she is looking at him like, who the fuck is this guy? Who is this 21-year-old basically uh, rock star that walked me into the Copa through the back, tipping people as we go, shaking hands, and then gets a fucking table right in the front put out for him. That's what he got to do this weekend. He goes out before uh, this late show. I want to say Saturday and long line because these shows are sold out. It's a big room uh, and the this uh, the line is wrapped around the, the building at the mall. So he said he gets to walk all the way down, find his friends, pull them out of line. There are also people from the earlier show still in the area. So they're like they're giving him high fives and handshakes and fist bumps and stuff. And and like the people who are waiting for the late show are looking at him like, who the fuck is this guy? walking people through the line. So he got to walk uh, all through the line at the mall, through the door, and into the showroom and give his friends their seats. Like, boom, there you go. And he were, he said they were so blown away. They were so amazed. They were just like, <laughs> he said he loved it, man. He said it felt so good. He felt like a goddamn big shot. He felt like a rock star. He said it was dope. He felt like that dude. He felt like Hemi Johns, you know, just the, the one. He felt like that dude, man. And uh, I just love hearing stories like that. I know that's a great feeling, man, where, where, you, where like you can walk people in, you get people backstage. It, it, it makes you feel really cool. And uh, he's finally getting to experience that. He's finally getting to do it. And uh, I'm glad I got to be there with him. And uh, there's a show. That's the show. Make sure you guys follow me on all social media at Chris Allen Comedy. Oh, September 30th, uh, the Vagabond Theater in Baltimore. I, I'm on that. I'm pretty excited. Uh, the last week of October, first week of November, I am in the Bahamas at the Atlantis Resort. Um, yeah, I got some other irons in the fire. I'm pretty excited. Don't want to say yet, but all right, I'm out. Peace. <laughs>